Man, what an amazing God we serve. Woo! The youth can head on down with Pastor Jaron and Brittany, and thank you for being here today, and thank you guys for serving. Anybody from 6th to 12th grade, you can go jump back there with them, and they'll take you down for the service. Thank you, worship team, for leading us, tech team, nursery workers, kids XP, all y'all. Thank you for what you do in serving the Lord. Song is very special, and uh, it's special for a lot of reasons. My wife, uh, it is a song that God used to help her as our son was diagnosed with cancer back last year, uh, and through that process, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, God's amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Just how he speaks to us, and he works, and he just does what only God can do, and he used that song to just carry her through. Uh, the things that she was struggling and you know as a as a parent you do as a kid and all that stuff that's going on and it's just a beautiful thing and I hope and pray that whatever you're going through you just seek the Lord he's there he's amazing yeah so I'm gonna give you um, accountability questions here just spend at least five minutes a day at least five days last week reading or listening to God's word just spend some time along with him this week with no agenda of your own you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you are you given as God has asked to give in your time, your talent, and your resources? Share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. Invite someone to church with you today? Yes. Okay. So, uh, just, I want to uh, thank everybody uh, that was here last Sunday to help out. We did one service. For those of you watching online and you were confused by things, the service started at 10 o'clock. That service was live-streamed. And it is still available on our YouTube channel, just in case somebody didn't get to see that, you should check it out. Uh, but we did the one service because we have a rodeo event every year. When Kim and I moved here from Michigan, um, you know, everything was new to us in Tucson. And uh, the fact that they closed the schools uh, for rodeo was kind of like, wow, that's crazy. You know, that's pretty amazing that it's that part of our culture. And so we wanted to embrace that. We love it anyway, so it was easy. And so we began to do a rodeo Sunday many years ago. And uh, as we did, we did it on the opening weekend, because usually on the closing weekend, which is today, uh, a lot of people were going to, to the rodeo, and so we wanted to accommodate everything that was happening and also bring it in. So we started that event that many years ago, and um, we started doing a, a bull riding competition a long time ago uh, in that event, get a mechanical bull, because... The, the bull riding is the last event of a rodeo because everybody loves it, and that's what it's kind of like the climax of the event, and so it's kind of that way. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today as we move in, but I, uh, I wanted to say thank you to everyone that stepped in because I was not here for the event. I was here for the service and had full intentions of being here for the event because I love it, and I wanted to be here with you all. Um, but I've, I've, you know, I have a herniated disc in my back. I'm three weeks uh, in recovery of a six to eight week process that um, I told them in the first service, it's six weeks for what I want to do and eight weeks for what my wife wants me to do. I have a doctor's note to prove it. So anyway, it is a process of time of waiting to be healed and uh, asking God to help me in the process. And so obviously I couldn't participate. And I am not asking for sympathy or anything. Everybody goes through junk, you know, but I couldn't sleep in my bed. I, I had to, I couldn't lay down. And uh, I couldn't lay down for uh, a little over two weeks. I had to sit up and lean forward to try and sleep. 
not the best way to do it, and, uh, and I couldn't. And so last Sunday, when I got done with the service and went home, we ate some lunch, and I sat on the couch, and uh, as I sat there, I kind of leaned over on the arm of the couch, and I would just, like, blacked out, completely lost consciousness, in a good way. I mean, I was sleeping. I hadn't slept in two weeks, but I was gone. And, uh, you know, when I finally woke up, the event was far going on, and I was like, I felt like I had sand in my head, and I was like, what's going on? What day is this? Where are we? Because I was a little sleep deprived. So if some of the things kind of slurred together in last week's message, I want to blame it on that. It's not my normal problem. Uh, but anyway, I didn't make it, and I was like very um, grateful to God that he takes care of my stupidity for me sometimes, and that he didn't, he had everybody here take care of stuff. You guys are amazing, because everything happened. Yeah, it just did. Y'all did an amazing job. Nothing's ever perfect, and we continue to try to work on everything every year. There was some great chili that was made. There were some trophies given out for that. There was some stuff given for bull riding. There was a lot of wrecks that took place in the bull riding. And um, I, because I missed, uh, you know, I was blessed by some of you sending videos to me of some people's rides, uh, you know, and their fails of their attempts to try and ride a bull. So uh, Pete was the very first video I got. And uh, I'm going to, I put, well, I didn't put, I have a compilation of fails here for you that we're going to watch. Now, you're not going to recognize the individuals by what you normally see, but I want you to know the first rider is Pete. The second rider is Eric, part of our worship team. The third one's Armando. He's part of our warriors group. The fourth one, we didn't want to lay the ladies out, so Twyla is number four, and Sylvia is number five. Now, this whole video is only going to take three minutes and 20 seconds. So I want you to know that most of it is just showing how bad it was. So I want you to know this before we watch it, so don't be offended by what you see. Nobody was killed in the process of making this video. All right, so you ready to do this? Let's watch the video and see what's going on. Remember, this is Pete on the first ride. He won last night's round. Here he faces Montana Jacket. This is what in the bull ride world we call ranks. (laughs) That bull fired right there. And look, this is a nasty looking wreck. Oh, boo. Sorry, Pete. Maybe next year. Yeah. Castle (laughs) finally out of that hurricane. All right. Here comes Eric. Let's see how he does. See the hair? You know it's Eric when you see Great the air, right? Back. All right. Back in competition. Let's see. Come on, Eric. Uh, no. Fail. <laughs> we got to watch that a couple more times because how good that All is. Four yeah. Yeah. Converge yeah. To help sellers yeah. <laughs> as best he can. <laughs> Woo, good try, Eric. Maybe next year. Come on. <laughs> if you watch at the end. Watch at the end when he takes his helmet off, his hair's still nice. All right, watch. See what I mean? It's all good. Everything's good. He still looks good. All right, so here comes Armando. He doesn't last very long. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that looked painful. Yeah. He was able to go to work on Monday. Don't worry. He's fine. 
All right. Beautiful. That's awesome. Good try. Maybe next year, Armando. Okay, we're not going to leave the ladies out. Let's go. This is Twyla. She didn't last long at all. I saw it. It was a really quick spin and down. So let's see how she does. Nope. Oh, gosh. Get out of there. Get out of there. I'm not sure who drug her off the mat, but all I know is she was out right away. As Swearingen needs to be pulled to safety. <laughs> all right, Sylvia, let's see if she can help us out. See if Sylvia can make a ride. Nobody's doing it so far. Till rode this bull before for big scores. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing, but I find humor in this. Teal. I do. <laughs> Everybody's Ran fine. Don't worry. Sylvia was here today for that's church today, so you guys don't worry. She's okay. Yeah. So, hey, that's what you missed if you weren't here last Sunday. All right. A lot of fun. A lot of good times. So, yeah, I'm going to... There is a spiritual meaning for what I just showed you, all right? So don't be offended. First off, I want you to know there's some, like, people that don't know the rodeo and don't know all these things, there's some rumors out there. They think these bulls love to do this. They're bred to do this, and they love it. They really do. A lot of these bulls, you can just go up and pet until it's time for them to be ridden, and then they turn into a wild, crazy thing, you know? And some people think it's because they strap a, a cord on their junk, uh, but that's not true. Uh, all you got I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I mean, there's rumors out there and you got to look. All you got to do is watch that video and you can see that that strap's nowhere near there. It's just on their stomach. Like I'm wearing one right now. I have a belt around my stomach. And so with them, as soon as you pull that a little bit tight, they're like, let's go after it. And as soon as they let that loose, they're like tall and calm and all, not all of them. Some of them are a little nutty, but most of them are good. So I want you to know that everything's good. It's all fun. It's amazing. And I want to talk to you about why this matters to me and you. Okay, so I've never ridden a live bull. All right, I, it's always been on my bucket list. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. I want to ride a bull. So in, um, in 2015, my wife and I went to Cody, Wyoming. My brother and his sister-in-law live up there. And they have a rodeo every night of the week, seriously, from May to September as a rodeo every single night if you visit Cody. And so before we went, I heard that, you know, you could pay a fee and ride a bull. And so what they do is they, whatever people pay, whatever the charge is, they put it into a pot and they just let it grow until somebody can actually ride for eight seconds. That's all you got to do is hang on for eight seconds. Um, yeah. So like, and if you rode the full eight seconds, you got whatever money was there. Well, I didn't care about the money. I just wanted to do it. I'm like, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. I couldn't wait. I told her that I was going to do it when we got there. Uh, she could go if she wanted to, or she could stay home. But I was going at road and I ride that bull, and they cut it off before we got there. The insurance stopped it as a liability. I'm sure somebody got hurt. You know how lawyers screw everything up. Uh, so, you know, they didn't let it happen. So I still have it on my bucket list. Now, obviously not this year. Uh, so... <laughs> It is a problem, right? And every year that goes by, it's probably less likely it's going to happen. 
Uh, there's a rumor going around that I hurt my back practicing on my Bella, my, long, my longhorn, but that's not true. It wasn't that at all. So I'm about to give you a major tip. I want you to know that. I'm giving away a secret. I hate to do this, but the Lord was prompting me, and so I have to be obedient. So I'm going to kind of tell you guys a secret about why I win every year. So... Uh, yeah, and it's like it pains me to do this more than my back. <laughs> <laughs> so here's your tip. Wherever your eyes go, the body follows. Okay, now that's important, and I need you to hear that. And I know probably most of you won't remember that next year because you can't even remember what I preached last Sunday. So I'm banking on that, okay? But I am giving you a for real tip. So because I've never ridden a bull, I mean, when I did it, I wanted to do it right. So I've watched all the classes, the study stuff, and I know the idea behind it. Obviously, you know, I, in reality, I don't expect to ride eight seconds, but I also believe I can. You know how you're delusional like that? Like, oh, I can do that, you know? No problem at all. Anyway, so this I do know. See, wherever the eyes go, the body follows. And so the key to riding a bull the most important thing you can do is keep your eyes on the head of the bull. Don't look anywhere else. If you look off, you're off. Keep your eyes on the head of the bull. So here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to confess this to you, but I don't think it's like a sinful confession. It's just kind of telling you what's been happening through the years. If you notice, when the bull riding competition comes on and the men are riding... I always have a microphone or a megaphone because you see, I want to talk to them. The reason I want to talk to them is because I want to distract them and I want to get their eyes off what they're doing and I want to change what's going on up here into hearing me instead of what they're doing. Several years ago, there was a young military guy uh, who said, he was just like telling me every week, I'm going to beat you, I'm going to beat you. And I was like, mm, you have no idea. Because <laughs> I knew in his like desire to beat me, he wasn't going to beat me. I knew it. So here I was, I can still see it in my mind as he's on that mechanical bull out there. And I had the microphone and he was riding. Of course he was riding. He's a young, way younger than me, strong military dude. And I'm just a skinny guy. And I'm like, hey, hey. Come on, look at me. You so cocky. Looked up, boom. Down he went. That was it. He was done. I was laughing and I was just taunting him something fierce, just trying to teach him a lesson. Uh, you know, in, in love. Of course, I was doing it in love. I wanted him to understand something. You see, like I didn't I didn't want him to know that if he stayed here, he would stay true. I wanted to get him distracted enough that he would not know where he was going, and I knew where he was going. See, what he didn't know, I know. I knew wherever his eyes went, he was done. As soon as he allowed his eyes to wander, you're done. And this is a biblical statement, in case you didn't know that. As we look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So hear this. All of our, everything that is around us has been given to us to understand our walk with God. Now let's keep going. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tips us up, trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Yeah, isn't that awesome? All right, hey man, I'm giving you a major tip here. All right, you keep screwing up in your walk with Jesus, this is why. You allow your eyes to wander. You get distracted. And as soon as you do, you do a face plant right in the dirt every single time. So as we look at what God's Word tells us, God's Word says to keep your eyes on Jesus. The enemy then, I'll play that part for the bull riding competition, is doing everything he can to distract you because he knows you won't last eight seconds if I can get you off guard. If I can get you to glance, I got you. I know that. All I said is make eye contact. This is literally what I said to him. Make eye contact with me like a taunt. And he did. Of course he couldn't like, not do that because he wanted to rub it in my face. And he didn't even realize that as soon as he made eye contact, he was face down in the moonwalk. Right? No idea. He thought he had it. Church, you see, this is exactly what the enemy's always trying to do to us. He's trying to get us distracted and looking in the wrong direction. And once we take our eyes off the main focus, which is pursuing and becoming more like Christ in our walk with God, we'll find ourselves drifting and soon we will be face planting straight down in the dirt. No doubt about that. Psalm 101 says this, I will be careful to live a blameless life. Let me come to help me. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. Whew, is that beautiful or what, church? Listen to God's word. Listen to what the word of God says. He's saying like, I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Lord, not just when I'm in the house of God with God's people, but when I'm in my own home, when I'm in my own private life. I will be a man of integrity. I will be a person of integrity. I will keep my eyes from evil. I will not allow it to be distracted. I want to make sure that I am focused on you and I stay that way. See, what the enemy does is he wants to isolate us. It's super easy to be a Christian in church. He wants you to get tired, worn out, in the midst of a crisis, anything to divert your attention from your purpose of living for the glory of God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you're worn out, maybe distracted by things or nobody's around you and you're feeling alone and all these things that come on to us, the enemy's trying to get us to just take a look in the wrong direction. When the Word of God says this to us about I'll set nothing vulgar or vile before us, they didn't even have TVs or computers back then. Think about it. They didn't have any of that. We have the actual devices that the enemy just invades our life all the time. Now, I'm not against TVs or technology. Don't misunderstand me. However, we also recognize that those tools that can be a blessing can absolutely be a curse. And the enemy wants to bring something in to distract us. And so this is just me speaking to you as your pastor. We need public visibility of any devices that we have. My wife has free access right now. Like she can look at my phone, my iPad, my computer anytime she wants. She has all my passwords. I don't care. 
You don't have to ask my permission. You can look at it. I got nothing to hide. When I get a device and I get into a platform or something, I hand that over to my daughter-in-law, Cindy, who works in the cafe. She's my tech person. I'm like, here, I want the safeguards put in. I'm, I'm a tech user, so I don't even want to know how to get around any of that stuff. I don't need that. I don't want that. I want to make sure that I am keeping myself in the track that God has for me. And therefore, I want to make sure that that is open and clear, that it's like that. Now, if you, you realize that children are walking around with phones today. I mean, y'all know that. And grandparents are like mortified. Parents are just like, it's a part of life. It is a part of life. Don't misunderstand me. But man, parents, if you don't have some kind of a shield on that thing, you're crazy. The enemy is trying to get anything in front of that child to destroy it, to get some way in, to get them on the wrong path, to mess up their life forever. Pornography is destroying more lives, I believe this, in our country than drugs. Yeah, it's behind the scenes. And think that it's nobody but me. No, it is destroying the family unit, destroying the individual destroying relationships everywhere. And it's happening at a rapid pace. I've worked with people in the church. I've worked with people outside the church. I've worked with pastors. I mean, I tell them, like, there is, like, there's no excuse for anyone to be addicted to pornography. Jesus Christ is bigger, period. Secondly, there's so many helps that are available to us. Like, I do not get paid by Covenant Eyes. I tell everybody, get Covenant Eyes for your stuff. It's a very small fee, and it protects you. It will not let you access things that are questionable. And if you try, it will send a message to someone you trust that you pick, and they will be notified that you're trying. It's called, uh, it's called accountability. You want victory? Get victory. You want excuses? Make excuses. But do you understand that that not, is not an excuse and it's sin and the enemy's trying to distract you and draw you in because he wants to destroy your life. Now, this is not a message on pornography. It's just a simple thing for us to understand. So, because I've been incapacitated for the, the past several weeks as far as like I can't even, you know, whatever. It's just crazy. Um, try and watch something on TV, which we don't even have, like, anything internet or anything. I mean, we have internet, but not the other stuff. And it's crazy because it's hard to even find anything that's okay to put before your eyes today. It's crazy. And then, like, you remember things you watched years ago that you thought were funny? You know what I mean? And so you're like, oh, that was a funny movie. And, like, so don't reference those things to people in your life, because when you turn them back on and you're like, oh, dude, we, let's shut that off. <laughs> it's like, wow, man, was I stupid. Was I blind? I didn't realize. Or somebody candy-coated it for me, or something happened because I didn't even know that was in there. See, the enemy's trying to do anything he can to plant little seeds in you, and he's trying to distract you. And the Word of God says, I'm not going to put anything vulgar or vile before my eyes. So we have to have an integrity in every area of our life to be men and women of God. Why do you think when you're on your computer, your device, those companies pay money to get a little thing to flash on your screen? Yeah, I'm not talking about pornography right now, so everybody just relax. I'm talking about an advertisement. 
So you're looking right here and you're like, okay, I, it happens to me. I'll just tell you right now. Like I'm, I open up my iPad and I'm going to make a devotional because we do those Monday through Friday, commercial break, uh, on YouTube channel every, every Monday through Friday, I go out at 8 a.m., right? So I make these devotionals. So I tell my wife I'm going to make my devotional right now. So I'm letting her know what's happening and I'm going to start looking. So I open up and the first thing it does is it goes to the Google site, you know, when I open my iPad, and then they have all kinds of headings that are targeting me because they know me. So there's a lot of college football, there's rodeo events, there's hunting things, and there's new guns and all, right? So like all these things, sorry, if you're, I don't want to offend you. I'm just saying like, it's all the stuff that's there. So I'm like, I'm going there for this purpose. I'm going to make a devotional. And so I look and I'm like, I'm going to make a devotional. I'm like, seriously, those guys took that guy? They're planning on drafting him? Why would they do that? I want to see what's going on. I haven't watched the Red Wings highlights yet. It's the Detroit hockey team. I know you guys don't know hockey, but I love the hockey and I love the Red Wings and stuff. And so, oh, I can flip over there and in 10 minutes watch that entire game. And you know how you do that? And pretty soon you're like, what was I doing? 20 minutes, a half hour, an hour's gone by. It's like, oh, I have reminders in my phone. You're making a devotional. Oh, I am. I'm making a devotional. That's what I'm doing. You see how easy we can be distracted? That's why the enemy does that, and he wants to do that. So he puts stuff across to us like, hey, look over here. Look over there. Any place but Jesus. Don't look there. And that's why the Word of God says, keep your eyes on Jesus. In Matthew 6, Jesus is speaking here, and listen to what he says. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Wow. Think about it. It's amazing, isn't it? He's like, whatever you take in here is affecting everything about you. Everything. So... Right now, it's like it's important for you and I to do a little bit of an assessment. Like, what am I taking in? What am I, like, allowing into the temple of God? What's happening here? What am I looking at? We, we have to remain focused on the main thing, and that's Jesus. Now, I want you to understand God's word and what we're talking about here as we say, keep your eyes on Jesus, because I've had some people say, what do you mean by that? Like, I don't understand. I still have to do a job in that. And like, I can't be consumed 100. No, that's not what it's saying. See, we all have jobs to do. Um, there are issues that we have to deal with in life that come to us. Uh, we'll have health concerns that pop up, no doubt about all that. So in, in, in every one of those scenarios of life, that comes either out of the darkness or just around the corner, we can't allow that moment or that issue to become the main focus. That's what we're talking about. That's what God's talking about. Not allowing these things to obsess and to own us, but rather realize and make sure that we are owned and we are owning our relationship with Jesus Christ, but these things are here and I'm not going to allow them to dictate my life. So, like, let's throw this realistic scenario in. When you are diagnosed with cancer, yes, it becomes a huge focus of your life. 
Of course it does. I had to deal with that with my wife. We had to deal with it with our son. Well, we had to deal with it with her as well. And you guys have had to deal with things like that. So when it first happens, it becomes a huge, like, event focus. It doesn't supersede Jesus. It absolutely makes us seek him more. But if we're not careful, we can also begin to be obsessed by this situation and it can become a distraction even in my relationship with him. But what that does, once you refocus and you kind of get yourself centered on Christ and, you know, kind of that initial wave of emotion and things that happen, and that doesn't just happen in one moment, we, we realize some things. You see, once we recenter on Christ and we get that balance back into us, we realize like all the distractions that we've had are so meaningless. It's crazy. The things that we thought were so important in life, the things that we were praying about and asking God for, all of a sudden are so menial and meaningless because right now my wife or our son has cancer. And so it kind of puts things in perspective to us. And I realize how many things have been trying to rob me of my walk with God, my relationship with God, trying to distract me from where I really need to be. And so as we're in this moment, when he says, keep your eyes on Jesus, it's like you're going to have those things that come at you, but what you have to learn to do as we mature in our walk with God is to walk with God in the midst of all of it, in everything that we face in life. We get this incredible blessing of a different perspective in life. So, I'm not going to just keep talking about my back. This is not about my back, and I don't, I'm not asking for any sympathy or anything at all. Seriously, God's amazing. I've never experienced pain like I went through when this thing happened to me, and uh, it was ongoing for, like, not, it was not letting off, uh, no matter what pills or things I tried or did, nothing took the pain. And so for uh, almost three days, I sat on my tile floor in the living room, our tile floor in the living room, on my left hip with my leg bent, with this leg out. It's the only place I could find any type of relief for the pain that I was in. So even when my wife took me <laughs> to the emergency room, they, she told them I couldn't walk or do anything. They came out of the wheelchair. I'm like, I can't sit in that thing. They said, you have to. So when I sat there, as soon as I went to the window, I'm like, I'm going to sit on your floor. <laughs> I cannot sit here. I couldn't lay down or anything. No, there's a reason I'm telling you that. Because you see, as I was going through that and I was in the midst of all that, my wife and I had some uh, incredible prayer and God times. And he was teaching me so many things that I know I'll be learning for years to come. But one of the main things he was teaching me is how not in control I am of anything. Because throughout my life, I've pretty much been able to just suck it up and do it. You know, whatever. Ignore it, take a couple Advil, do your thing, and it'll go away, and everything's going to be fine. Uh, whatever crisis I have to face, it's like you just meet it head on. You go through it, you make it work. Trust in God, you know what I mean? But I mean, it's just that whole... We got this thing. 
And all of a sudden, it's like, I don't got this. I got nothing. <laughs> I can do nothing. I can't even lay down. For almost 13 days, I could not lay down. It's crazy. And so here I was in the midst of all that. I, can, I'm, I didn't share this with the other church service there, but I'm going to tell you, like, I, I couldn't lay in my bed. I couldn't sleep. I finally was able to get up on our couch after three or four days, and I had a box that I was sitting on with a little padding because I couldn't sit on anything soft, and I couldn't sleep, so I had to lean forward. So I had a pile of pillows here trying to lean forward to sleep. Well, you know, that sucks, and you can't sleep. And I hadn't slept in like 12 days, miserable as I'll get out. God's good. I was not like griping or complaining, being reminded that you just preached on Job. You should probably just... Like, you know, hey, God, you're good. <laughs> Close the door on that cage real soon, like, because I'm ready to get out of here. But anyway, so this is really, honestly, man, I was in, I was in, I will call it agony for Dave. I don't know what you've had to deal with, so I'm not comparing anything. But I was leaning forward. I'm like, Lord, I was crying. I was like, Lord, I'm in so much pain. I have not slept. I cannot handle this. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I need you more than ever. And I don't know what happened. I told my wife the next day, I said, I don't know what happened. I don't know if I passed out, if God knocked me out, or whatever happened. All I know is a couple hours later, I woke up and all my pillows were on the ground and I was laying on my lap. And I had, like, I had been able to fall asleep through the pain and deal with it. And so when I woke up and I, I saw my pillows, I was like, Lord... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for just giving me that moment, you know? And to see this, that you are right there. And I'm like, man, God, you know, I've been an idiot so many times in my life. Like, so crazy that... <laughs> it's all about my surrender, trust, and obey and everything. And here was another moment of that where it's not about... See, my obedience was do nothing, Dave. I'd rather obey by doing. <laughs> I'm all good with give me a task. I'll make it happen. No, your obedience is do nothing. Control nothing. Sit there. That's the hardest thing I've ever had to obey in. And there was something to remind me that I had to do it constantly. Here's what God's word says to us. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says... That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, praise God, man. He's so good. So listen to this next verse. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather... We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. Remember looking at Jesus, right? For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Man, is that awesome or what? So what, what God wants us to do is get to a place in our maturity that you see we don't like allow the distraction, the crisis, the moment, the thing that's right here uh, to be all-consuming. What he wants us to do is look past that and see Jesus. There he is. He's there every time. 
He's always there, church. See, he, he wants us to see this because we've got to look past what's blatantly in our face so that we can get our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because the enemy is the one that is behind the distraction, no matter what it is, to get us to lose that focus. Again, I mentioned you have to focus on your job, of course. You have things you got to do. I know that. But see, what we're being called to is that anything that is distracting or taking me away from my daily devotions, spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, being with God, worshiping Him, anything that's taking me and allowing me to not do that as part of my daily life, ooh, where does that come from? It's crazy how sometimes we can have so many things going on in our life that we cut God out. Didn't have time to read my Bible today. We, we bank on God's grace and forgiveness and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, you're so good. Forgive me. I'll, I'll do better tomorrow. No, you won't. You're already in the dirt. See, church, being focused on Jesus means that I am walking with him and that he is the highest priority of my life. There's nothing more consuming than him. I've got to spend time with him. I've got to pray. I've got to read the word of God. I've got to listen to what God wants to say to me, especially in the midst of that craziness. Are you kidding? <laughs> what a nut. And we are if we think that me fixing it's going to make it better, and then I'll get back to Jesus. But that's exactly what we're doing. And that's why the word of God says, keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got all these witnesses around you. Look at the Bible and look at every time someone got distracted, they ended up falling. Don't fall. Hello. There we are, <laughs> face down in the dirt again. <laughs> Once we focus on other stuff and it takes us away from our daily disciplines, we're done. So what happens when we do this is we get, we compromise is what we do. So what we've done is we've like, we've set Jesus aside for a moment. We never intend to like put him aside. We would never, nobody here would do that. We would never do that. We wouldn't say, I'll get back to you, Jesus. I got some stuff to do. No, we're not going to do that, right? No, instead we get our eyes off him and, and we realize this is what makes everything in life work. And the enemy says like, if you don't do something about this, everything is going to fall apart. When the fact of the matter is if I don't do something about this, everything will fall apart. But if he can get you to think that if you don't do that, everything's going to fall apart, he's got you. And as soon as you step over there to start fixing it, you're done. <laughs> so, Matthew 5. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. This is Jesus talking. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, there is something to this focus, isn't there? Jesus is teaching us something. He's saying something to us. You see, it's not just in the physical act of something, but it's in the intention of the heart that actually makes something happen. And what's key to that, he says, is right there. Okay, let's keep reading. Here's Jesus talking. So if your eye 
Even your good eye causes you to lust. Gouge it out and throw it away. That's extreme. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Church, man, when we look at this, I think Jesus is trying to tell us something of how important it is that we don't sin. What do you think? He's like, look, this is how serious it is. You can get yourself distracted and go to hell. If something is causing you to be distracted, get rid of it. Even if it's your eye and your good eye, your shooting eye. Get rid of it. Even if you're right-handed, cut that right hand off. He's like, this is how serious this is. This isn't a game. See, that's why the enemy's after us, and he's doing everything he can to try and get us to look away from Jesus. Just for a moment. That's all he wants. Compromise for a moment. Get over here. This is all you got to do. <laughs> so whatever it takes, church, I want to say to you, we can't allow ourselves to get our eyes off Jesus. He is our highest priority. So we're being bombarded by distractions and temptations, trying to get us to lose focus. No doubt about that. The Word of God tells us Jesus was as well. The Word of God tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are yet without sin, right? And so the enemy wanted to distract him to get him to look in another direction. And we're given a story in the Scriptures to tell us this and to help us. So here's this moment that's happening, and what's going on now is Jesus is, a, is kind of revealing to the disciple. Well, he's not kind of. He's saying it flat out. I, I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over. It's going to be brutal. This is why he came, remember, for you and I. So let's go into this for just a minute because someone very close to Jesus was what was used to try and get Jesus to see things a different way. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. He would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He'd be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Okay, so let's get, that's a pretty serious message, right? So Jesus is like, this is the way it's going to go down. And listen to what Peter does, someone that's very close to Jesus, right? Peter's one of the closest disciples to Jesus. He is. He's the leader of the disciples. So Peter comes to him. Listen to what he does and takes him aside. Like he's, I want, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I want you to hear this like, okay, so here's Peter. He's like, Jesus, come here. I got to talk to you. Come on. Um, and now he reprimands him, it says, for saying such thing. Listen to the wording. Heaven forbid, Lord. Do you see how spiritual that sounds? Heaven forbid, he said, that you will never, this will never happen to you. Not going to happen. Nope. Refuse to accept that. And I want you to hear it from me. I'm your best bud. <laughs> the next verse says this. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. 
Wow. Okay, church, hear it through. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you are Satan. No. He saw through that message to the author of the message. And he knew that that message was being sent to him to get him distracted. And he said, Jesus said this, that's a trap. I see it for what it is. I have the power and the ability to make this change. But the reason he came to do this in the first place was for our salvation. And we had no hope without him. And the enemy didn't want him to fulfill the purpose that God had for you and I. And so the very one that is the closest and dearest to Jesus in this life comes to him and says spiritual things, and it's about preservation and helping you. But see, Jesus looked right through that because he saw the plan and will of God, and he knew what it was, and he heard this message and knew that it was nothing more than a distraction from the enemy. Hmm. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter. You are seeing from a human perspective and not God's. See, that's really critical for you and I, church. You and I. This is critical for us. See, because the only way we can see through from God's perspective is by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, we're human. And all we're going to see is the human perspective. That's all we got. And so in my human perspective, I see human issues. But by the Holy Spirit's God perspective, I see beyond the moment. Just like we were reading in the Scriptures, it says these things are temporary and they will pass, and those things are eternal and they're forever. Therefore, we as people of God see the eternal and not the moment. So as Jesus is talking here, he's like, hey, we're, we're seeing some things, and I want you to understand, Peter, you're seeing from a human view, not God's, and God's is very different. So, I can tell you this right now. You know how things are passing from me telling you I was in agony on the floor to not being able to lay in my bed to being in this place now a little three weeks later that I can actually lay in my bed. I'm just comfortable, but I'm there and I was just telling Kim the other day, I'm like, it's crazy that I already like have no real uh, reality of the pain I was in. Because it's not there. I know I was in agony. I know. I mean, I couldn't do anything. But right now, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. It's passing. And in another six months or a year, someone will say to me like, I got a herniated disc, and I'll be like, oh, dude, that sucks. I'm sorry for you, and I'll just walk on. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm saying, like, because the reality is I once had that understanding, but I no longer do. Oh, why? Because it's temporary. It's passing, and something else will be there. (laughs) Hopefully not, Lord, in Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) So... So you see, what we're talking about here is the difference between the moment and the eternal, the situation and the next situation. So I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus because I already know that this thing will pass. So three weeks and three days later, I'm thinking like, dear God, when is six weeks over? (laughs) Like, I'm ready to do something. I'm not. Trust me, I already know I'm not. But I'm ready to do something. And like six weeks is like eternity. And yet, like every time I turn around when I'm not hurting, 
It's like, it's Sunday again. It's Sunday again. It's Sunday again. It's Sunday again. You know what I mean? Like, time is going like that, but not this six weeks, man. Somebody, somebody put the brakes on. <laughs> Maybe it's a blessing. I don't know. Anyway, so here we go. Seeing things from a human perspective is self-serving. And self-serving is flesh-serving, and it's the very root and the foundation of sin in our lives. Right? It is. I mean, all we have to do is look in God's Word and what it says. So here's what it tells us. Eyes on Jesus equals victory. Eyes on anything else, face plant in the dirt. That's what we're learning. You can wreck your life. You can wreck your life fast. It can get so far gone, you don't even know how it happened. So let's go back to the bull riders for a second, and I'm at my action steps, so don't worry. Uh, not that you were worried. Jaron's downstairs. Um, so <clears throat> uh, I didn't mention his name in the last service, so he's not in here. Um, every one of those bull riders in the shoot, you watch. You can watch any of the videos. Watch all of them. Every single one of those riders has their eyes on that bull's head in the shoot. Yeah, they know. See, right there, when that bull is immobile and it can't do anything, I mean, they can move around a little bit, but I'm saying is they're, they're not released yet. Their head's right there. And you know how they tell them to open that chute? They don't say, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> no, they nod their head because they're looking right there. And as soon as they let them go, everything breaks out. And as long as they're looking here, they pretty much make it happen. And so if you'll listen to the broadcasters, and one of them's like a seven-time world champion, doesn't matter what his name is, don't care about the guy, I mean that respectfully, I hope he knows Jesus, but I'm saying like he gets aggravated at some of the guys because sometimes as soon as they come out, they're already looking where they're going to fall. Right away. He's like, look at this, and he'll draw a little thing on the, like, look where he's looking. Where is he going? What are they doing? They know better than this. They've been coached all week. Well, hello, church. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> okay, so you're in the shoot. It's called church. Pretty easy to be focused right now. I want you to know when the doors open, things are going to get crazy. Yeah, it is. I don't know what kind of bull you're strapped to. I don't. But I know this. God will carry you through no matter what the ride if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, he's amazing. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about because you've never had your eyes on Jesus. You need to start today. Uh, you're, you should be sick of eating dirt. And if you're not sick of eating dirt, then there's no hope for you yet. If you are sick of eating dirt, there's hope. Jesus wants to lift you up and get you looking this way where you don't have to eat dirt all the time. It's like amazing what he provides for us. And so if you don't know Jesus, make today the day you do. He's ready to receive you. Church, if you're walking with Jesus, what in your life right now currently has the enemy been using to try and get you to take your eyes off Jesus? Everybody here has something. No doubt about that. The enemy has something trying to distract you. Whatever it is, identify it. And right now is when you say, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh -uh. 
I am not seeing things from this perspective. I'm seeing from God's perspective. And I'm not going to allow you to get my focus distracted from keeping my eyes on Jesus and being the man or woman of God that he's called me to be. Church, we got to do this, man. Here's your last one. What do you need to change to keep your daily disciplines actually part of your daily life? Whatever's keeping you from those things, believe me, it's the enemy. Hear me, church. I'm begging you. If you don't keep your focus on Jesus, you're in trouble. And if you think coming to church once a week is keeping your eyes on Jesus, you're wrong. That works for a little while, but it won't last. You've got to have a daily walk where you are becoming more and more like Christ and understanding this relationship and who he is in your life. Let's do this, all right? Would you stand with me? The altar's always open. Please don't leave and think you'll do it later. You won't. The Holy Spirit's prompting you now. You're seeing things from God's perspective in this moment for a reason. The reason we do this altar call is because if we don't apply what God's saying to us now, we will soon forget. We'll be back to our old self, doing the same old things, eating the same old dirt. Do something about it right now. I want to tell you, one of the guys in, in the first service, I don't even know his name. He's newer here. I don't know him. But he came up to me, and he thanked me, and he opened up his hand, and he had a flip phone in his hand. That's all he had. And I was like, I get it. I get it, brother. He said, I can tell you that I have thrown away computers out of my house because I have a problem, and I don't want that problem. I'm like, dude, I am so proud of you. <laughs> You understand, church, it's like, it's time to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to be right with God, keeping our eyes focused on him, being the person he died to make us. Don't allow the enemy to get you out of here. Father, we're so grateful for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this moment where we can just kind of be quiet. We know that all hell will break loose when we leave church. We know that. We're not worried about it. You got us. But God, we do want to say thank you for this moment where we can just be right here, totally focused on you in our life. Now, Lord, what we're asking is that you would make it real to us so that when we leave, the focus remains. It's not just here. <laughs> Protect your people, Lord, I ask. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you do for us. You're an amazing God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Amen. God's awesome. Thanks.